the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to conclude this series by talking about why we worship. Let me just revisit a couple of things for you as we are beginning and also concluding our series tonight, beginning tonight's message, concluding the series. We've been talking about worship up and down, that the blessings of God in worship go up and his blessings back come, come back down to us. And to understand worship, we have to really understand the the definition of worship. What is worship? As we've been looking at in this series together, it involves any of the ways that you and I connect with God and any of the ways that we serve God. And so worship is anything that you do that connects you with God or anything that you do that allows you to serve God in some manner. That is worship. That is what worship is all about. And Jesus had some things to say about worship. And in John chapter 4, uh, verses 23 and 24, we find some of what Jesus said to a Samaritan woman who was confused about worship. She didn't understand what real worship was. And Jesus made this statement to her that's very apropos to us as well. Jesus said, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, notice what kind of worshipers again? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers, there's that word again, must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Here Jesus says there is a certain kind of worship that the Father God is looking for. He desires certain kinds of worshipers, worshipers who know how to connect with God and serve God in spirit and in truth by the power or empowerment of the Holy Spirit and by the truth of uh, God's Word and the principles of who God really is. So we want to be true worshipers. As I've mentioned before in this series, there's some people that will perhaps even go to church this weekend. They'll go through a religious ritual, and they will go through a religious process, but they won't really worship. They'll just go through a a ceremony, if you will, and their hearts will never connect with God. And so we don't want to be people like that. We We want to be people who are really connecting with God and learning how to serve Him in spirit and in truth. The first thing tonight is this. Worship helps us to realize our God-designed potential. Worship is valuable to us because when we worship God, God sends down to us a greater realization of our our God-designed potential, what He created us to be and what He created us to do. I like to remind us of this on an ongoing basis because so much of the world around us uh, sort of de-emphasizes or drains this out of us. But when God made you, every one of you here tonight, Every one of you watching online, when God made you, he created you with incredible potential. You have amazing potential. To think about the human capacity with God placed in humanity. 
Let's go back for a moment to the Garden of Eden. You might recall that when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he first gave them an assignment. He told them, I want you to rule, all, rule over all the creatures, take dominion over them, and I want you to, to till the ground and grow up something beautiful here. He gave them great opportunity based upon the fact that they had tremendous potential. They were created in the image of God, just in you, as you and I were created, are created in God's image. But they only realized their potential when they were walking in connection with God. As soon as that connection was broken by sin, what happened? They began to deteriorate. They lost the essence of what life was all about. And so they lost a dimension of their potential because they broke their fellowship with God. The opposite side of that is when you and I maintain our fellowship with God, it brings us into higher and higher degrees of the greatest potential that God placed inside of you, in your DNA, in your life right now, there's huge potential. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, there's huge potential that God wants to work in and out and through you. And so through our worship, that begins to be realized and released. Let's take a look at at one particular person in the Bible who found his potential by being a worshiper of God. You might remember this man in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. His name was Jabez. And the Bible says of Jabez that he was more honorable than his brothers. This is the only time in the Bible, there are two verses in the Bible that mention this particular person. And the Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, uh, and, and he, he, he had a relationship with God, and his mother had named him Jabez. You might recall, as I've taught on that in the past, that word means pain, or it could, prob- prob- uh, could very well be translated, you are a pain. And so here's Jabez. He came into the world through some kind of very negative circumstance. His mother named him a pain. How would you like for your mom to name you? You're a pain. And that was his name. And so he was living in far less of his highest potential. He was struggling in life, but he had an honorable spirit. He was a worshiper of God. And and again, there are only two verses in the Bible about this man. There's no mention of his dad. It seems as though his father was out of the picture, maybe a single mom, some brothers that were not so honorable. But here is Jabez, and Jabez made a decision. What did he do? He cried out to the God of Israel. When it says that he cried out, we could also use the context of worship. Because when you cry out to God, what are you doing? You're worshiping. This is a part of your worship. So Jabez cried out. He worshiped the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And what does it say happened? And God did what? Granted his request. Here is a man, we don't know his age, more more than likely a a fairly young man, maybe in his early uh, adult years, young adult years, but he realizes he's been born into a bad situation. Everybody's labeled him a pain, but he says, I'm not going to live my life that way. There's a God who can change who I am. There's a God who can bring potential out of me that could not be brought out any other way. And so he related to God in worship, and God brought about a a request that he made and brought potential out of his life. Tremendous thing for us to realize. Remember that when you worship, when I worship, God is working to bring a potential out of your life. Here's the second thing tonight that we want to look at for a few moments together. Worship connects us with God's strength for our tough times. Worship, praise, thanksgiving to God is not just something you do when everything's going well. 
Sometimes you get a great blessing in your life. Lord, thank you for that blessing. Lord, I appreciate what you did in my life. And it's, it's appropriate to give praise to God when he does something good and wonderful in your life. We took a whole day, hopefully you did this week, and you, you offered thanksgiving to God. And hopefully that will be a continual process of your life, that you and I will become grateful people consistently for all the blessings. But I will also tell you this, that praise to God and thanksgiving to God and the worship of God is not just the right thing to do when good things things happen in your life. It's also the right thing to do when tough things happen in your life. Because worshiping God in the tough times connects you with God's strength and connects you with God's power. It gives you the ability to make it through and to conquer things that are very challenging in life. I know some of you here, and I can look out among our congregation here this, this, this weekend, and I know many of your stories. I've walked with some of you through very tragic situations that you've had in your life, and I can tell you there's many of you that are sitting there right now that you worshiped your way through some really hard times. You worshiped your way through. You wondered, how am I going to get through this? And I watched you as your pastor worship your way. Not necessarily that all the pain goes away, but you worshiped your way through it and found the blessing and strength of God in your life. Let's look at a couple of stories about this in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 40, let me tell you a little bit about this. Isaiah is writing to a group of people, the people of God, and they're going through a really tough time. They're having a real challenge, a challenging moment in their, their, their national history. And so they're getting tired and they're getting weary. Have any of you ever gotten tired of a problem in your life? Ever got tired of waking up to the same old problem every day? There it is again. I thought it would be gone by now, but here it is. I wake up every day and the same problem is there. Well, this is much like the Israelites during this particular season of their journey and their relationship with God. And the prophet Isaiah is moved by God to speak a message to them that is also a message for us. Look at what he said. Some of you are familiar with this, but let's look at it again. Oh, Jacob, talking to the people of God, how can you say the Lord does does not see your troubles. Isn't that good to know? The implication of that is that God sees your troubles right now. That whatever trouble you're going through, God sees it. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Let's stop there and camp just for a moment. What does God do? He gives power to the weak and gives strength to the powerless. Somebody ought to claim that tonight. This is a great promise for you this evening. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Notice this, however. But those who trust in the Lord, let's stop there for a moment. One translation says, wait upon the Lord. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Those that trust in the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord, those who we could also say, those who worship the Lord, right? Because when you're waiting upon God and trusting in God, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
you're worshiping, right? That's a part of worship. Anything that connects you to God or allows you to serve God is worship. And so when you're waiting upon God, you're trusting in God, that's a connection with God. And those who trust in, wait upon, worship the Lord, will find what? New strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I think this deserves a big hallelujah, okay? What is it saying to us? It's saying that what gets you through your difficulties, what gets you through your troubles, what gets you through those times of life that are really challenging is learning to worship, learning to wait upon, put our confidence in, and trust in the Lord. There's another example that I want to give you that you're familiar with. It's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul has gone to a place called Philippi in the territory of Macedonia. He's been called there supernaturally. He saw a vision, and a man uh, spoke in the vision, come over here and help us. So he goes to preach in this place called Philippi, and the people respond to the gospel. But then uh, there's this uh, opposition that develops and persecution that happens to Paul, and he ends up in prison. And notice what happens here in Acts chapter 16. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. I would say that's a pretty bad day. Would you agree? If somebody arrests you, orders you stripped and beaten with wooden rods, not a good day. You haven't done anything wrong. All you've been doing is preaching the gospel, helping people. They were severely beaten. Interesting that uh, a particular word, not just beaten, they were severely beaten. These are important words. Uh, Don't pass by them. They give intent and impact to what was really going on. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So they've been stripped, beaten, not just beaten, but severely beaten, thrown into prison. Bad day, bad time tough situations. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. The idea being that perhaps they would eventually be tried and even perhaps even, 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 uh, even put to death. So they're in jail, made sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? Praying and singing hymns to God. So again, if they were praying and singing hymns to God, what were they doing? They were worshiping. This is worship. Anything that connects you to God or causes you to serve God or service to God from your heart, that's worship. So they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So they're going through a really tough time. They're having a really bad day, a bad set of circumstances, but what are they doing? They are worshiping. Notice what happens. You perhaps know the story. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner came or fell off. This is a beautiful story of how God comes down with an earthquake in the midst of somebody praising him who's going through a really tough time. But Paul and Silas said, we're not going to sit here complaining, frustrated about what's happening. No, we're going to turn our attention toward God. We're going to worship him. It's midnight. We're hurting. We're bleeding. But our worship is going toward God. And God said, now I've heard your worship. You've sent it up. Now I'm coming down to do something in your life that is miraculous, not just for you, but set other people free as well. It's amazing when you think about when you worship your way through difficulties, oftentimes it's not just you that gets the blessing. There are people around you that will get a blessing for it 
as well. So we learn this wonderful principle of learning to worship our way to a place of strength, worshiping our way through troubles and difficulties and bringing upon our lives the blessing and strength of God. Here's the third thing. Why is worship important? Because worship does what? Say the word with me. It wars against the kingdom of darkness. Because the Bible is very clear about the devil wanting to bring you down, the thief wanting to steal and kill and destroy you. So there is a battle that is raging. There is a warfare that is always going on. And that warfare exists between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. Now, I'm not talking about some mythological thing or some Star Wars idea here. I'm talking about reality, okay? There's a reality of an unseen world where there's light and there's darkness. There's God, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the heavenly host of angels that are on God's team, if you will. And although you can't see them, they exist. There's some things in life, even though you can't see it, it still exists. I have never seen electricity, but it does exist. There are a lot of things that are unseen, and so we tend to to sort of say, oh, that's not real. But I'm telling you, we are in a battle and it happens between light and darkness. Every believer needs to be aware of it. They're invisible forces that you and I are contending with. And the Bible teaches us that we're not to be afraid of the darkness, but we are to war against the darkness. And the promise is, is that Jesus has already won the victory over darkness. Okay. He's already won the battle, so we're not looking for who's going to win. We already know who won. Okay. That, let me say that again. Do I need to say it again, or can I give you a chance to say amen right there, right? We're not looking for what the outcome of the battle is. We're not worried about, hey, I wonder if Jesus is going to win this thing. No, we're not worried about that. That's already been won. However, in our lives, we have to learn to use the resources that God has given us to battle against those forces that would try to come against us. And the primary way that that darkness comes against you is by lying to you, lies that come that are opposite of God. Because if he can get you to believe a lie, he can trap you in a way that will hold you from experiencing the blessings of the truth. And so he comes in lies and darkness. So you and I have to learn how to fight the battle, how to war against the forces of darkness. And that's why Jesus gave us this promise, Matthew 16, verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. One translation says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Jesus said, I gave you some keys. Keys mean that you have some authority. Anybody that has a set of keys has some authority. If I give you a set of keys to my house, it means that I've authorized you to enter into my house, okay? I've given you the authority to utilize those keys. If we gave you a key to the door of the church, you would have the authority to come in. You don't just give out keys unless you expect somebody to use the keys. The keys are there by reason of authorization. You now can use them. So Jesus said, I've given you some keys of the kingdom, and I want you to use them to bind up some things that would come against your life. And I also want to get, I've given those keys to you so you'll lose some things there'll be blessing in your life, but you have to use the keys, okay? Jesus doesn't use the keys. He said he doesn't use them for you. I give you the keys. I give you the keys, so you have to use them. 
Notice what 1 John chapter 3 tells us. But the Son of God came to do what? Do what? Destroy the works of the devil. So these keys are designed to be applied in ways that shut down the works of the adversary. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, verse 3, 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, to shut down evil. Okay. So, keys. Who gave them to you? Jesus gave them to you. So, you got the keys in your pocket. God, he gave you your keys. But keys are no good unless you use them, right? Those keys are designed to destroy the works of the devil. To shut down the works of the devil and to demolish strongholds. To battle with. You've got some keys to battle with, right? The question is, you've got to know what the keys are, okay? That's like a, a concept. It's a nice concept, but it's like, okay, I don't even know what a spiritual key is. What are we talking about? So you've got to know what the keys are. So what are the keys? I will assure you, according to Scripture, one of the keys is the key of worship. That when you worship, you're pulling out your key to bind the works of darkness and loose the works of God in the world, your family around you, the circumstances of your life. Here's an example of this. Second Chronicles. The tribe of Judah has been under attack. Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Israel, were, they were under attack by three different groups of people. They, were, they had martial forces together to come against this little tribe of Judah. And so they were all afraid. There's a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. He's trying to figure out what to do and how to handle this. And so he calls a prayer meeting and a fasting meeting and brings everybody together. And, and the Lord speaks to them and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send a bunch of singers, put the singers out in front of the army. And God said, you're not going to have to fight this battle. The singers will bring the victory for you. Okay. Now notice what happened here. As they began, as this group, they're going out first, as they began to sing and praise, sing and what? Praise. Sing and praise. Judah, let God be praised. As they began to sing and praise, what did the Lord do? The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Notice how they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites, that were two of the enemy groups, rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In essence, the enemy destroyed himself. Okay. Why? Because they offered praise to God. And so you have to understand that God has given you a weapon to use a key to use when you're under attack, and that key to use is the key of worship. It is a powerful key. It is the key of praise, but it will not work unless you use it, unless I use it. Whether, another example of this, Ephesians chapter 5. We're just about done here tonight. Do not get drunk on wine. That's another whole message for me to preach sometime, okay. which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, would you agree with me if you're filled with the Spirit, you're a lot stronger in battle, correct? Okay. 
If you're in the flesh, you're not going to have the strength necessary, but to be filled with the Spirit. Now, how do we get filled with the Spirit? How do we set ourselves up for the Spirit to be at work in us? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why praise is important. Because when you praise, you're creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come into you and upon you and around you. You create an atmosphere for the presence of God. And the reason that many of us are, if you will, missing an atmosphere of God's presence in our lives, in our homes, in our families, is because we don't spend any time creating that atmosphere by praise. I think it's time to change that. How about you? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.